Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I am Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Remember that this podcast deals with adult themes, so if you don't have privacy, you may wish to put on your headphones. Today is the fifth installment of the Sex Love series. Joining me today is Dr. Sam Webster, Master of Divinity and Mage, my oldest friend. Welcome to the show. It's great to be with you, Dr. Lori. Thank you. So when did you first become aware of yourself as a sexual being? Well, there's two different answers to that question. One was when I finally figured out to put the word sexual on it, mm-hmm. which came somewhat later because, well, you know, I don't actually need words to feel things. But realizing that my body was a source of pleasure and uh, that needed to be expressed by touch and exploration, poking at things, that actually came very, very early. Um, four, five, six, someplace in there when I started stimulating myself in various ways because it was fun. Yeah. Uh, but that's all it was. Uh, the whole sociosexual dynamic wouldn't merge until, well, I did. But that started really young. But when, when I started actually realizing that there was this thing to be done with somebody else, mm-hmm. okay, so that's what we t- tend to think of as sex, but self-sex has been, you know, my great refuge in life. Um, other sex, as I sometimes call it, uh, uh, is engaging with others. And then I, none of the patterns that were around me were making sense um, because they were all heteronormative, we would say today. Right. And that didn't make any sense to me because I didn't actually identify with a gender. Right. I knew what my body was, but it hadn't quite soaked into me yet at that early adolescence. Uh, consciously, that part of my problem was is I only had one. Right. And it was going to be stuck that way for the rest of my life, unless I did major hardware changes. Um, But it became very difficult to really quite identify with it. So do you think if we had the terminology then, because I know we really didn't, we didn't talk about these sorts of things, that gender fluid would have been really appropriate at that point? Yeah, if I wasn't going to be beaten for it. Because I'm the classic, your mother dresses you funny kid. My mother did not permit me to pick my own clothing until basically I left the house. Wow. So I realized that I didn't actually get a description of kind of the background you came from. So I'd like to do that. Okay. Um, how would you describe yourself in terms of um, culture and background and what kind of a, in a home environment did you come from? Well, I grew up on Long Island, which is just outside New York. I was born in Manhattan. 
uh, first four years in the Bronx when it was very, very beautiful. And then as the city was starting to get bad, my family fled out onto Long Island, even though my dad still worked in the city. And uh, um, kind of grew up in you know middle-class suburban neighborhood. We were mostly surrounded by Italians and Jews, mm -hmm. and we were the Catholics, so we were mostly hanging out with the Italian Catholics, except for all the neighbors and all half my schoolmates and all that. Um, but we were, uh, my mom is Slovak uh, and Polish, and my father is Irish, both of which produced some pretty harsh ends of Catholicism. But in some weird way of blending of wave fronts, both of the bad parts of that kind of got washed out for me. So for me, Catholicism was just fine. I got the really fun parts from the Slavonic and the really fun parts of the Irish, and it was all great. And uh, then we went to more or less an Italian um, uh, Catholic uh, uh, parish and grew up with all that kind of stuff. And because of the peculiar way that my mind works, I missed all of the stupidity that was wrapped up in that and refused to acknowledge any of church or parental authority or societal authority around any of these things, I later figured out, I just knew they were wrong. Mm. And so I ignored it. They said, this is thus and such. I was like, well, that's not true, so never mind. Um, and apparently some of that was around sexuality, but a lot of it for me was around spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I simply denied the authority of those around me because when they were speaking wrong, it was so obviously wrong. Like they actually thought there was something other than God. And, and they keep trying to make all these claims around this guy. So, well, that's not true. So, no, the rest of the logic that you build on that of the fall and all this, I didn't have that language. Now, mind you, I've been through seminary, so I now have a rich and detailed language about this. Right. But as you do, I thought back through this and realized where I was coming from then. And because they were so obviously wrong, I just simply denied them. Well, like there is no devil, so therefore all of this is bullshit. Right. Well, they, I, I got into an argument with a bishop that was visiting our church one day, and the bishop apparently, my parents later told me the story. I'm like five or six. The bishop turned to them. It's like, like rain in your son. It's like, you try to argue with him. And the bishop just eventually gave up because I kept out arguing him on the basics of what we would call pantheism or cosmotheosis mm. these days. Because it's like, if this is not God, where the fuck is God? Is, is how the adult would put it. Um, so when I became sexually aware and was interested in other sex, it became really clear that if I was attracted to girls, this was somehow okay. And if I was attracted to boys, this was somehow not okay. And it's like, I really wanted the boy parts. The girl parts seemed nice too, but Dick was nice. What the hell is this? I will be tortured and, and ill-treated and it would be all horrible. But you know, we're talking in, 60s and 70s, yeah. there, right? So this is a very different era. The idea that like a teenager could be gay or something like that was only used as a way to hurt them. Hmm. And so what amounts to, if you listen to that carefully, the kid learned to pass. Yep. I learned to put out whatever face they needed to deal with it and to minimize the torture that I was already experiencing from basically first grade or kindergarten, I was the kid that everyone beat on. So there was only so much of that I was going to put out. And I was already getting beaten up because I talked funny. My family had a huge vocabulary and 
you know, that's what I learned to use. So I learned to talk really rough and downplay all that and not show my intelligence or any of what I was interested in because I didn't want to be tortured any more than I already was. So telling people that I like boys too wasn't going to happen. happen. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing of, well, what did you decide to be heterosexual? I can tell you because I hid all of that. And some of it I hid from myself because, you know, it's like you got to suppress the reaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that distorted my sexuality, but so I don't have the grounding in my homophilia as well as in my heterophilia, but it's all there. So when do you think, when do you, do you remember the first time you actually were kind of okay with expressing some of that? Hmm. Let's see. So that's probably college era. It's probably about when I knew you. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it was all in there, but there was also no good way to play. Like I could get along with girls and there was, we knew what to do, Yeah. but the boys around were miserable. And why would I want to? It was like, abstractly, I want dick and ass. This one, no. the rest of what's attached to that is like not interested. Yeah. And I wasn't anywhere near drunk enough or in the right places where that didn't matter. And that just wasn't the world I ended up getting into. And of course, now we're talking college and we're talking the early Hades, so all the boys are starting to get sick. Yeah. And no one knew what the fuck it was at that point. Oh, I remember. So we were all like, what is this? How is it getting past? What is, uh, so, all right, you guys go sort this stuff out. Maybe I'll figure out what to do with this later. At least I'm getting light over here. It's interesting to me because now that you describe being gender fluid, that makes so much sense we didn't have that kind of language, language at no. all. No. Um, I don't think I could know what I was experiencing as I would transform into a more feminine uh, self and be the girl to the girl, um, which would occasionally freak them out, um, or be the girl to the boy or, or whatever. It didn't matter. Well, and it, it, but it, I didn't have framing for it. There so was there no wasn't frame. consciousness. There wasn't no. an aware to be present to it. There wasn't aware to deal with whatever was going on on the other side of the. We didn't the, have the that skins. framework. I mean, and we could kind of talk about being bisexual, although we didn't tend to talk about it a lot. But we could kind of we could go there, but there really wasn't a framework for that fluidity. And you were always a really, really gender fluid, actually, and I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have clocked it because I didn't, it was just you. This was you. And so this is the person I know. And that was fine with me because you were fine with me. However you were, there weren't a lot of us who felt that way. It was usually the more unusual of us who kind of accepted people, how they presented at the moment. And so the people for whom it wasn't a problem were the ones I ended up hanging out with, whether or not we were doing any of it. It was people who accepted me. And that was a relatively small space. And then when I found the pagan community, that was a significant niche of the 50 of us that actually existed at that point. It felt like that at least. Yeah. And, and I was accepted for who I was. But then again, we still didn't have a language no. that would let me do that. Now, mind you, I'm physically, I'm a very male-gendered presence mm. in that like, I, I have a very typical male body. I have a significantly heavy beard. There's not much I can do about any of my outer presence. Except when it does flow. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, you can come across 
And, and for somebody seeing you, they might find it difficult to believe you can come across incredibly feminine and you always were able to move the whole spectrum. But that's a marriage of spirit with body. Indeed. And that's, um, again, something we were just learning language for then. We were kind of progressive that we were learning language for it. We, we learned more spiritual language than we did sexual language at that point. There was so, more of it. Yeah, there was more to research. And that kind of hermaphroditic stuff which was interesting from a God form perspective. And all of that was really interesting to both of us. So it got wrote off, I think, to there rather than actually centered also in the fact that actually this is my sexuality. This is my gender. This is, I am fluid. That's, it's not just how the spirit inhabits the body. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was so wrapped up in the spirituality of it. That was, those were the drives. Yeah. So I wasn't so needing to resolve those issues. I wasn't, acting out particularly so like why am i doing this behavior or any of those weren't my questions no and of course there was no moral judgment about it it was just well gay culture this isn't really appeal to me this is an interesting thing liked hanging out with them did theater with them and it was wonderful and they were great people to be with but there were other elements of the culture that that doesn't actually appeal to me so is that what i have to be to be with boys uh, it's too much work so when did that, when did you really start to integrate this stuff? Well, what phases did you pass through along the way? I'm still, I think, integrating it, mm -hmm. I would really say, because to act upon my uh, uh, homophilic sides has been relatively limited because finding the right guys to hang out with was a real challenge. You're picky. I'm fucking picky. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. I'm picky about my women. I'm picky about my boys. You know, it doesn't much matter. I'm needing to be with people who can deal with me. Yep. And that's pretty far out on the end of the bell curve first. Never mind, are we going to have sex or something? Um, and relatively few people put up with me very well. Uh, so, you know, I can put on my social face, but once you get two steps in the door, it's a little rougher. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, so you're intense you know, takes one to know one. Hmm. And I think also with the level of intelligence that you possess and the different layers, yeah, it's challenging. You're not going to just go out and pick up a partner and go and go, oh, I'll form a relationship with this cute boy over here hmm. who wants to party and maybe do some drugs or wants to party and do a bit of drinking and watch movies and be involved in kind of um, popular culture and, and that's sort of a lifestyle because that's not going to cater to who you are. No. Yeah. So let's see. Let's, let's take a look at the concrete on that. So, okay, there's the whole college era. And there's a little bit of messing around going on there. So, it's, okay, yeah, I know it's all there, but how do I do anything? No, I don't know how. Um, uh, so we come out to L.A., and we're there and, well, I'm in a triad, um, you know, with a gal and a guy. And so there's some of all that there. He's not terribly by except for the fact that he transforms into a woman um well so, yeah you know he was never bisexual he uh, was until he was married until he was married and yeah. then we were doing that but so, okay cool so that was good so there was some of that there and then i went to albuquerque and that Oz. complex relationship there uh but there was also Stephen and raven mm -hmm. who i was playing with at that time and finally got fucked in the ass by Stephen. that was wonderful um and so there was that, but that, again, it didn't have the traction. 
So you were really very episodic. Very. Like, because I know stuff that you did in universe. So it was very episodic. It was very situation specific. It was never you going out and sort of becoming aware of a guy and flirting and forming a relationship. Mm. It was, this arose, it often arose in the context of a relationship with a woman. Mm -hmm. It often arose in the context of non-monogamous relationships. Mm -hmm. And it was episodic and then it was gone. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Which didn't help anything. Uh, But it was, again, while actually... Stephen and I had feelings for each other. It was more brotherly, but there was a strong erotic dimension to it, and we liked each other. Um, so that was there, but he was trying to ground himself. And frankly, that period of my life included um, a, a state of uh, spiritual suspension that I was in that I put myself in somewhat intentionally, but it didn't make for a stable personality. So trying to maintain anything was not going to happen. I eventually came out of that duly and grounded, but that wasn't the era. And then not long after that, I got married. And she was not actually stable in her own erotic dimensions. So sometimes she said, yes, let's do poly. And then then we do poly and then she'd freak out and then we'd not do poly for a while. So bringing a boy into the mix might've actually been okay because sometimes that works under those. Never got a chance to find out. It was just too freaking complicated. Let's talk about poly because this is a really interesting one for me. So um, I think like many people of our age group, um, we didn't understand ethical poly. We started with unethical situations because we didn't know how to explain to partners that what we wanted was to have multiple relation, multiple sexual relationships and multiple romantic relationships with people. But somehow these poly relationships that became ethical formed. Do you know where you finally admitted to yourself that actually that's the way you, you really needed to live? Well, it was back when we were playing and I began to realize that this was, this is where I'm coming from. Mm. And as I looked back upon myself, I actually couldn't find another in there. Other than that, it's kind of like always being by the idea of being one or the other actually was never there. No, it's, this is how and, it is. And um, I'm with you now when we're having this wonderful experience. Let's fuck. Um, why wouldn't you, if you're with a person you like, and especially, you know, without even the gender barrier there, oh, why not? And yet society and everything else militated against it. And then partners who are not quite hip to this, even if it may be their own desires, but we were also really bad at this. It was being massively tolerant and trying to deal with the fallout. I remember it being, it being something that for me was really difficult to grasp. I knew that I rarely only wanted one person. I knew that if I really, really connected with somebody, I wanted to fuck them. And that was just, it was part of me. Sex was like a natural outcropping. And of course that I'd been told that was wrong, but I'd already kind of dismissed that. But actually getting to the place where I could say, yes, this is fine. And with us was really the first time after the initial part of our relationship where there was like the, maybe this will be monogamous and all the chaos around that. Um, When I re-entered the relationship, I was like, yeah, I'm cool with this. And I was, it was like, this will work. This, 
he can be honest about this. I can be honest about this. Oh, I get more freedom too. And like, it's not just he gets to go around and fuck people and I can't. No, 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 this works, right? But I also discovered that I really loved that sort of connection, that kind of a familial connection and that ability to create a very small group that sometimes widened of people that I had romantic relationships, sexual relationships, spiritual contact and relationship with. I would actually say that yours was my first poly relationship because we did it intentionally. Yep. We were both doing it. We enjoyed it. We shared it with each other. Yep. And, and it wasn't a problem. In fact, it was an enhancement and a, a, an integrity, a truth. And that became you know, a cornerstone for my sexuality and my spirituality going forward because of all of our spiritual play too, which was richly entwined with all of it. Yeah, which a lot of people is not something that a lot of people and maybe a lot of people listening won't really grasp and we can discuss the merits of sex magic. Um, but certainly sex is one of the best ways of raising energy. Sure. And so that was natural to my perception and mm -hmm. I didn't know how to explain that to people. Yeah. You know, it was Nor really natural and people gave me loads of shit about it. Yeah. Well, the idea of separating sex from spirituality is like, no bloody perverse. Why yeah. would one of the core drives of all of existence be separated from the core of existence? Uh, that makes no sense. No. It doesn't even make logical sense when framed that way. But sex is a mode of invocation. Yeah. It's, it's calling its presence. And, you know, the gods left a fuck. So that's what we did. And it, it in in theurgic spirituality, the vast majority of what you're aiming for is possession of some degree, so as to bring the divine presence into, into one's you. body and yes. life, and it purges all the bad stuff, enhances all the good stuff, enriches us, gives gifts of power and awareness and presence, and then we move on. And to do that with another person, to share that, to enhance that through the, cha uh, the charge that's raised in sex is just, it's a great way to do it. And we had no idea what we were doing, I don't know. but hmm. but it was great. But we and, did it anyway. Yeah, we did. And I, I mean, I did. I also see that as my first poly relationship, and and a couple of the other people who were involved in that relationship didn't deal with it well, but no. we did. But we did. And for me, it was like, oh, actually, this can be done. Mm, yes. And this is what works. And then I forgot. Because as you do, I kind of moved into other things and I forgot for a while and became monogamous. That was disastrous. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's popular now to talk about polyamory. Nice of them to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> it's really popular to talk about, but the idea that it's something that might actually be more natural is hot, still hotly debated. Well. They better go look at nature. That's because where people do look. Where, where we for years said, oh, yes, the monogamous wolf pair, the anonymous raptor pair or something yeah. like that. Well, now that we're studying the genes, it's like, well, they may pair for life. But they fuck But they've been fucking people. around quite a great deal, which we also know from genetics is a really good thing. You mix the gene pool up, baby. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a lot of mess. Yeah. yeah. And And what we know from any ecology is that the richness and the complexity of it is its robustness. It will survive because of all of the interblending and connections. Yeah. And when you have a monoculture, 
I mean, nature may abhor a vacuum, but, but nature destroys every monoculture that arises. Yeah. So what, what, why would we do that? And then, and then now what we understand about the nuclear family, the nuclear family is called by the correct name because when you put that kind of stuff in a small bottle, boy, does it cook and it explodes. It's horrific. Humans are designed to do that. We're designed for these large, complex families because some days mom and dad are just totally fucked up. You need to go talk to uncle or granny or, mm-hmm. or the cousin down the street and in the very least event, but if not to, no, 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 they're just pissed off and they just yelled at you. No, no, they, they love you. Just calm down. And if you don't have that to, to go check in and get a reality check with, you might actually think when they're pissed off that they're really, really pissed off at you. When all you need is like, no, they just had a really bad day. <laughs> I didn't have that kind of extended family growing no, up. No, yeah. I. I mean, I, you know, I knew my grandparents. I knew my, my aunts and uncles. Yeah. But we didn't have that kind of living in a close proximity or being with each other enough where you would go to someone else. It was kind of mom and dad, and that was the way it That's was. Um, and I, kind of looking back, I always felt that in college, one of the things we were all motivated by was to create that sort of extended family atmosphere because none of the people that participated in our family on and off for a good 10 years actually um, came from backgrounds that were um, functional in those ways. You know, we had varying levels of dysfunction. So the triad, like, you know, the triad that you lived in, if you look at their backgrounds mm-hmm. or various levels of dysfunction, we were all driven to create more than community. It was really that kind of really a, a, much, dry, a deeper bond. Yeah. yeah. So then I went on through the rest of my life and went to seminary and, and learned how to. And since then, I've built communities and they've been reasonably healthy and they've been beneficial for the people involved in them. And they, for the last 17 years, I've been running a spiritual order. Um, I founded it. I've actually been able to pass off the actual leadership of it. I'm cycling back around at the moment, but it's, and it's coming to its due end and it will transform as a community into something else. And so where has, where have, where has your personal sexual romantic life been within that while you were creating work in the world? Well, for a long time, uh, it was an 18 year marriage Mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of it was centered. And sometimes it was good. A lot more times, I'm afraid it was bad. Uh, she eventually came out as a doomy girl. She never initiated sex. I think there may have been one, possibly two times in 18 years she ever initiated sex. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, it was something that had to be done to her. And she was probably a sub. She definitely enjoyed that. And she had eventually a partner who that she really explored that with to some extent. Um, and then uh, uh, the lies came out, the problems came out, the spending came out, and we broke up for about a year. And then we kind of got back together again, and we had about a year and a half that was actually really good because there was a lot more, well, the honesty was there. There was a lot more just like, hey, this is what we are. This is what you are. This is what I am. We both needs our needs met. And because of that, the sex actually got kind of hot. And then she got brain cancer and died. Right. And that kind of, all that went to hell. Um, so the next number of years, we're all just piecing that back together again. I've been through a series of different relationships of differing qualities. 
Um, they've all had a poly dimension to them. Sometimes I was more interested in going out than, than others. Had a relationship with a gal who was married. Uh, I was the out to it. And I thought it was actually more solid than it was. But when she finally got really pissed off at me, she just cut it off in the most abrupt of senses and really broke my heart. Um, I was really invested in that relationship. And then it really ended very badly. And from my perspective, incredibly abruptly over stupid reasons. But the hurt was enormous. I just had to close her out of my life at that point. Um, tried a few others, but none of that actually caught until my current relationship, which is very much open, very poly, very, uh, well, frankly, it's a kinky relationship and uh, multi-gendered, really. A uh, person whom I seem to have reincarnational memories of uh, in the flip genders from where we are now. And occasionally that's what comes up. Cool. And that's wonderful because I get to be received for the, the gal I was then and receive this wonderful man who took great care of me back then because I was blind at the time. And every time I touch her face now, up comes this other whole dimension of connecting through touch that still moves me to tears. Oh, how neat. That kind of moving back in some ways to where you started, that's like a full circle. How is that, how does that transition feel? Did you ever think you'd get back there? Well, my life is driven by my spirituality. And my spirituality is not uh, made up of a bunch of things you're supposed to do and then you get the prize. Right. Frankly, it's usually quests, challenges, leveling up, um, getting new tools, going out and doing something even worse now. And so this is continual challenge and growth and development. So I feel like I'm traveling a straight line. And every once in a while, it's like, oh, fuck, I'm back home again. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's really always a spiral. Yeah. It's a helix, really. It's an ever-growing kind yeah. of thing. So no, I didn't think I was going to get back here. But when I took the next step, I found myself here again. And it's like, oh, oh, we're going to do this now. Wow. This is challenging a whole bunch of really fundamental positions with me because it's an MS relationship, a master-slave relationship, but I'm a fucking Thelemite. And so the dimensions of mastery and slave in there are rich and deep and are really challenged. Um, it makes me an anarchist. It makes me prone to consensus-based authority structures. And yet... That's not what this is. Mm -mm. And in fact, most of my best projects have been one where I ruled, mm -hmm. where I founded it, where I set the tone. I, I was the final authority in all this. Mm -hmm. and, and that is completely at odds with this other side. Oh, wonderful. Now I get to contradict myself and have to resolve this. And it's a wonderful challenge. And it's demanding me to take the next set of steps in my life, which are never fucking gentle, mm. but they're always gross. I'm like so looking forward to kind of being part of and bearing witness to some of this because you've always fought that side of yourself as yeah. long as I've known you, which is a really long time. And it, it was always really interesting to me because sometimes, you know, you, you see somebody and you see them really clearly 
and they don't see it at all. And you know that you're not, it's not a projection. You know what you're really clearly seeing the other person and they just don't get it. They don't see it at all. And I'd be like, dominant as fuck. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not going to have this conversation with you again. Did I say that? Yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Yeah. But, you know, it, what's really funny for me is that I have one other person in my life where I said that to, I, I said, oh, you're a dominant. And he went, no, I'm not. I'm not. I know you're into this, but I'm, and I'll do stuff with you, but I'm not. I'm not going to do this. And I said, fine, you don't do it. And two years later, called me and said, guess what? You're right. I am. And I have a girl and I'm really happy. And I'm like, yeah, good. Yeah. Right. And it's something about, but with you, your dilemma is a much deeper level. It's got, there's so much weight to that dilemma. And Indeed. if you can resolve it, where you can sit with all the ambivalence, because that's what it is. Yeah, yeah exactly that's going to be absolutely amazing. And then of course you'll have the next set of challenges yeah, because whatever. that's what life is. Leveling up is what we're about. Yeah. Um, I was trained to lead from a very early age and I was taught some very valuable keys around that. And I was given the room to do it. Um, what I wasn't given was support. Mm. And so actually leading is one thing being followed, being supported is an entirely other. Mm -hmm. And I can make things happen, but I didn't have those to back me up to keep them going. And so to this day, one of my greatest skills is greenfielding. I can start with nothing and pull together everything necessary to launch pretty much anything I need. And then I get bored and move on to the next thing. And if I had more support, I could stay in that and the challenges of the deeper levels would emerge. Mm -hmm. But it took, it took actually owning that and that came out in sex that came out between us that became that was other things and people wanted that out of me but everywhere i looked that kind of authority was corrupt it was harmful and i didn't want to do that what did it look like in your family uh yeah my father was the the ruler of that house and my mother who was probably smarter than him still was subservient to him. I didn't like that. And it wasn't, it was consensual in that that's the way ex they expected it to be. It was not consensual in the sense that both people were not fully articulated and they were doing it out of this really works for us. And there, but there also, he was not a beneficent ruler. No. Yeah. At all. No, that. I have very few kind memories about my father. There are a handful, but Really? No, this is a person to avoid. So why would you want to be like that? Exactly. Yeah. I did not have good models of good person level models. I had good functional models yep. of leadership. I know what a good leader is and does and how they serve those who they're leading. But how is that as a person? What's the inner side of that? And how does that live and feel and breathe? No, I, most of them were dicks. And I didn't, didn't like that. And when it was women... They were bitches. They were horrific. They weren't kind. And every once in a while, I've come across a good woman leader who was both firm and kind and caring and supported people and wasn't constantly in competition and tearing people down, which is all too commonly the case. And I, I dearly respect those kinds of women. They're great leaders and I love working for them. But 
not many. Yeah, and I guess when you don't have those models and you're working with, in a sense, some of the less common archetypes, although although male dominance isn't a less common archetype in the way that you're embodying it was mm -hmm. um, because there was so much fluidity, so then it becomes less common. It's really hard because how do you actually decide that it's okay? How do you decide that it's okay to be dominant? How do you decide that it's okay to um, hit someone? Mm -hmm even though it's fun? Well, that, particularly in this case, in my current relationship, what became very clear was how much it turned her on and how much that was turning me on. And like, literally we had a scene that happened while she was brushing her teeth. And I kind of like paddled her tail a bit and she's clearly getting off on it. I knew it some more and I'm getting a hard on. And it's like, this is actually working for me. It'll take denial to make me stop noticing that I should focus a little bit more. And as I did, I realized just how much fun I was having. And it wasn't just fun. It was, I was really getting turned on. Yeah. And I realized that, no, I've always been a bit rough and enjoying it rough. Yeah. And I really enjoyed my partner squealing and screaming and doing things to them that pushed pain and pleasure and made them really, really happy about that really worked for me. It's like, son, I think it's about time you own this shit. You start to take this in and here's a gal who is asking for it very explicitly and wants me to get good at it because I was, there were ways which, which I was sloppy and not doing a good job. But at the same time, she was patient with me and giving me pointers and giving me a clue. No, that's ouchy, not uh, yummy. And no, oh, okay, okay. I, I, no, I, don't, I actually really don't want to hurt you, but I'm willing to cause you all the pain you desire um, because we're both having fun with that. And that's so clear in my mind. Now I'm just trying to learn the skills to deliver. Yeah, the skills, the skills to go with it. But it's interesting because I think in, in some of our early experiences, again, no models for this being okay. Um, dominant men beat their wives. I mean, that, it wasn't consensual. It wasn't a nice thing. It wasn't an okay thing. It was abuse. And so owning yeah, I'd like to be beaten was not an easy one. No. Um, owning this is, this is fun yeah. and I can hit somebody and I can still respect them. And I can, I mean, it, there were no places for that information initially. No, no. And that's been part of um, my entry into this community is going to these uh, classes and events and so forth and seeing the loving, caring respect with which all the people are treating each other. Mm. Um, master to slave, slave to master, master to master, slave to slave is just astonishing. And as an empath, it's just radiating off of these people. They can't be lying about this stuff. I can tell because this is coming from a feeling level reality in mm. these people. Even while somebody's getting the shit flogged out of them, mm -hmm. the care with which that's being done is astonishing. The way the classes that I've seen were run, which are, they have a quasi-militaristic kind of dimension to it, and yet playful? Yep. Which you don't get in the military. Yeah. And loving and caring, respectful, and it's all about being respectful yep. to well, each of the people in their respective positions. Yeah, I mean, you know, for some, 
this world has a lot of hierarchy and hierarchy can be a lot of fun and it's working with positive hierarchy. And I think one of the big values to, um, I think mean, probably the internet is what actually kicked off the explosion is that we have lots of public events where there are, there's really good education. It's possible to get good education either formally by taking a class or by just observing experienced players, by getting a mentor and things that like in our day, we wouldn't have been able to find a way to easily access that because no. we weren't playing in the gay community. Right, right. That's the and, place where it was living. And that's, that that's where it lived. Yeah. Um, now, that know, now that I'm being a historian, I've started reading the history about yeah. this stuff because I got it. Like, what the hell happened? And it was all over there. Yeah, and, and we, as not gay people, but as bisexual people, would right. be allowed to, to know, say hello, but not be allowed to kind of inhabit the community. And so we... we finding that sort of stuff we made it up as we went along and then when we did find that sort of stuff and we found people to learn it was all very underground it was you kind of lucked on something and then there were bulletin boards or there was an ad in the village voice or you know and you you managed to luck on it and and you found out that way which i didn't right i did because i didn't have a choice mm -hmm. by that point yeah by that point i had to to undo some of the trauma right. and in order to do that i had to go go back, go back into it and find out how i was going to yeah. fix this that's how i understood what you were doing yeah and since you were coming out of it mostly getting better though you know with your body stuff and you're kind of going back and forth but the slices of time that i'd run into over the 35 plus odd years oh we've been at this um you that's what you seem to be doing and sometimes you would be in the thick of it and sometimes i would just watch you shining yeah. like, okay it's gonna be a rough road but she's doing it it was never an easy road i mean it was you know i mean it was um some people choose that kind of meandering path and stuff that was never something you or i did Oh, look, there's the steepest path up the hill. It's the quickest. Yes, let's go, dude. It's fucking yeah. the steepest. It's going to be the hardest. It may be the quickest, but it's going to be the hardest. It's the quickest. Let's do that. Yeah. And, and I mean, I had to make sense out of what Alton did to me mm -hmm. because I walked into that relationship consensually and left it non-consensually yeah. and so if i didn't make sense of it i wasn't going to be able to come out actually feeling okay about myself yeah, so have wrap that all up in a box and put it over in the corner in which case it would have sat there and festered for the rest of your days and probably come out badly later uh, or never be dealt with in this life yeah no i would i would have hated my i would i would have continued to hate myself mm -hmm. i i actually venture to guess that I would have been dead before the 90s because mm -hmm. I, I kind of did a lot of really risky things trying to get my head straight. Sure. Um, Perhaps that's the gift of self-hatred. Well, yeah, really, moving. yeah, it was like, oh, oh, I really don't want to die. Yeah. And I remember somebody saying to me, do you fucking want to die? Because that's where you're heading. And I said, if I wanted to die, I would have let him kill me. I didn't then, so I don't now. So I guess I better pull my shit together and actually really start exploring this further. And that kind of coming back around home and coming back around home, like you said, that's that, that I love that spiral. I've always loved that spiral. I think it's so cool. Oh, this is a different harmonic. 
I don't remember looking at that before. Right. Somewhat the same, somewhat different. Mm. Something old, something new. Yeah. And it's but it's that it's what's necessary if you're going to be sexually authentic and congruent. And to me, that's the only way to be. I want to be congruent full stop. Mm -hmm. I want to be congruent throughout my life. Of course, it doesn't mean that you have to show every facet of you in every social situation or every work situation, but just... No, different wrenches are suitable for different nuts. Yeah. Yeah, and we are incredibly complex beings, so we can't show all who we are. But we can be in integrity. I you yeah. use congruence, and you my use language an integrity. Would be integrity yeah. But I hear the same. It is. It's desire same, yeah. to and not be in contradiction to ourselves. Not be um, lying as above, so below, and without. No, I can't do that. It it hurts too much. Yeah. And it, frankly, it's exhausting. It is. You know, as above, so below, you know, as without, so within, you know, it was like, yeah, I, I remember the first time I heard that and the second time and the first time I started to really get it and then actually trying to really work towards that sense of not being in conflict with myself, which is just horrific. And so that's one of the things I also find interesting because neither of us is a spring chicken anymore. <laughs> um, and I kind of wonder, is it necessary to, ha to, to get to this age group in order to be at this level of congruence? Is it actually possible to do it earlier? And I, I've said to people that I think that... Um, I think it is, and I've looked at young people, and I've worked with young people, and I've thought, well, yeah, they don't have to wait as long. But invariably, <laughs> and I don't know if I'm just seeing a skewed sample because I know I see people who ask me for help, invariably what I find is people don't really start living their sexual and romantic lives as who they are fully until they're mid thirties to forties and then they're working and it and working it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it may well be that way for our society, given mm. the way it's framed. It occurs to me that if we had a truly healthy society around these kinds of things and people are being briefed on it and trained to it at a much earlier age, yeah. then they might be able to at least advance certain dimensions to it. But you know, Maturity only comes with time. Mm -hmm. And if you get to avoid many of the early mistakes, you, your expertise will come when you make your mistakes of a more developed kind later. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, it's pain gives us depth. Mm. It, it teaches compassion. It's, it's only in the miles, having the years, having the long experience that a certain kind of richness, depth, softness, solidity can emerge. I, I mean, I, I believe that is true. Um, I spend a lot of time talking with people. You know, my, my current mission is to take conversations about sex from the shadows to the light because I think that what we don't do in our society is talk about these things and if we don't talk about them, then they're going to continue to be disordered and it's going to continue to be a problem and continue to be an issue. We don't teach people the skill to talk about it. 
we don't teach them the language, but we also don't teach them just how to explore. I mean, we didn't have language, but we learned to communicate. Mm -hmm. And we didn't do too badly hmm. when you consider how young we were and the fact that there wasn't anything out there. To, you know, nobody was teaching a negotiation class. Yeah. Well, we had some models from science fiction and other places. Yeah, we used had... those. Okay, well, it's kind of like this, but so, not really. But we might like, be able oh, to use this. Yeah. We tried, and we didn't, didn't kill ourselves and, or each other. Yeah, that wasn't that's, so bad. That's about. That was a win. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's that sort of thing. It's like that's one of the reasons why I think this is so important okay. and why I'm talking to so many different people mm -hmm. is if people can see themselves reflected in the stories, then maybe they'll actually start looking at these issues and looking at the shadow and bringing the shadow out and examining the shadow and well, making I, sense of all of that. It's probably key for our day because this culture is now being written, run by its shadow. True. It's chasing foolish and stupid things and will destroy itself if it continues on this path. Basically, we're looking at an adolescent who's still binge drinking and driving and, and, you know, leaving a mess of its place and stripping the refrigerator and all that. And if it doesn't come to adulthood, it should die because you can't have beings like this going out amongst the stars and eating everything in sight. That's just not acceptable. Not going to help, yeah. No. no. So it's appropriate and it may just be that humans are going to be one of the many failed species in the cosmos. But being one, I'd kind of like it to make it. And the task of bringing things out of the shadow into light in all these different dimensions of our life, and sex is one of those root dimensions, if we don't get our shit together about this, we're probably going to just continue to do stupid things that are going to get us killed. Yeah. And sex is one of the great leverage points we can go after. So thank you for doing it. Oh, you're welcome. If you had a piece of advice to give someone listening, what would it be? Well, it, it may sound like trivial, but the truth is, is truth. Strive for integrity. Mm -hmm. Word, deed, thought, feeling. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling it, there's nothing wrong with the feeling. Those are spontaneous. Follow out the feeling. Mm -hmm. Decide whether or not it's worth acting upon because conditions are real and there can be consequences in bad ways. But one can have integrity within oneself. Mm -hmm. And if you have a partnership with, with you and say, this is what I'm feeling. I don't need to do anything about it right now, but I got to talk about it because I'm feeling this. Mm -hmm. Whatever it happens to be, uh, the, the, that integrity, while not easy, not always gentle, ultimately is going to be what will carry us through whatever it happens to be. The lying, the dissembling, the non-acting in integrity or being in integrity with our own feelings and thoughts rivens us, shreds mm. us. Like, I don't know, like uh, razor blades in the washing machine will shred us over time. I, I mean, for me, that so rings true. I see so many people who forget lying to others. I see lots of people lying to others. Yeah. They lie to themselves. It's the lying to self. It's actually That's actually the damaging. damaging. Yeah. Sometimes lying to other people is the appropriate, let's make this gentle. But we have to be in integrity with ourselves or we destroy ourselves. Mm. And the self that is trying to come forth into being 
is unriven by those cuts and damages of those self-lives. It has to be whole, even though it contradicts itself massively. It is filled with contrasts and encounters and balances and so forth. That is the art of life, that we weave together such disparate things into the lived single feeling of what we are as a being. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's in in every in every meal there's that little bit of extra spice. In every perfume, there's the le fécond. You have to have the counterbalances. Mm-hmm. Without the shadow, there is no image. Yep. So light itself is only blinding. We are these rich mixes. We're going to have to just learn to accept that, and weave together the the wonderful thing that is that is each and every person. Yeah, it's such a beautiful way to put it. The psychologist in me says. We have to learn to accept ambivalence. There, the whole world is made of shades of gray. You're here. And for fuck's sake, you know, that's the biggest task to getting into adulthood. Sure. And the one that most people, too many people, don't actually ever accomplish. It's hard. It is hard. It's much easier to say if you treat me badly or do something to me that's that's upsetting you're a horrible hatred hated person not a person that i love who has some flaws which i have to kind of sift through and you know it's so much easier to go well it's either black or it's white and then put it in a box we 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 want to categorize we want to like gender fluid doesn't fit that either you know that bisexual anything that is um yeah it, it doesn't sit well um, because we want to categorize. We want to box. In part, I understand. We, pro- we have to process so many stimuli and so much information mm-hmm. that if we didn't categorize at all, it would just be one big noise. So we can make no sense out of it. But it goes overboard to the point of not being able to allow movement and, and all of this journey of life and um, your being is movement. Once everything's nice and neatly categorized as boxes, it stops, and that's called death. Mm-hmm. Life is ever the dynamics between contradictory things. Yeah. And unless we can hold to that, all we're going to do is kill everything. As I mentioned about monocultures before, the truth is, is when you get all of one thing in a box, nature then comes along and stomps on that box. Yep. Because she will not tolerate that kind of nonsense. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I don't even know how many years I've been saying this now, but it's like we've been fed a, a, a crappy, um, a crappy line and a poor bag of goods because we, much as I love Disney, we were raised and, they all lived happily yeah. ever after. The only problem with that is that static. Indeed. The end of the film, there it is. There's the static image. Life isn't static. No. It's small moments of happiness in that wave, in that tapestry. That's what you strive for. You don't strive for this peak and then everything's going to be okay when I get there. I can't tell you how many people come in to coaching, to therapy with this idea that if they could just sort this out, whatever this might be, if I could just sort my depression, if I could sort my anxiety, if I could just figure out why I choose such shitty partners, 
if I could just get over the fact that what I really, 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 really want is to dress in women's clothing, but I don't feel okay about it. If I could just accept this about me or that about me or resolve my trauma, then it would be fine. If I got a nose job, it would be fine because this is, again, much more popular moving that and changing that physical. It would be fine, but it hasn't worked that way. No, and that regularly fails. That's a fairly predictable fail. Mm -hmm. And, And it's because it lacks the understanding of the dynamism of life and the fact that, you know, nature abhors stasis. You know, that thing of, you know, I can't make a decision, I can't make a decision, I can't make a decision. If you don't choose, you have made a decision. Yeah, the non-choosing is a choice. Is a a choice choice because nothing is going to be static. It's not going to sit static. Things erode. That's what happens. Things change. And that's the other thing that people can't kind of, it's such a hard one for people to grasp, is that you have to be able to embrace change. And that's scary. Well, we get stuck in thinking that things are when they're static. But what we now know about everything is that everything's a process, that everything flows and changes. And if we don't flow and change with it, we just become one of the things that gets stuck and gets broken. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting journey. So far? Yeah. Yeah. Expect the future will be more of that. Yeah, more of the same. You never know what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And people, when people hear me say that, they're like, oh, well, you know, you must be fine with stuff like that. You must not need, I've always, people tell me, well, I really need kind of certainties and stabilities. And I'm like, you obviously really haven't spent any time with me. I love certainties. Certainties are wonderful, you know. How many of those you got? Uh, I have flesh. <laughs> yeah. That's my certainty. I yeah. have flesh. Yeah. I wake up in the morning right now. It's a certainty. I don't know whether, when that's going to yeah. change. It won't, will change so, at, some at some point. At some point it will change. You know, I mean. But until then, the sun will come up. There'll be bills to pay. Mm-hmm. And I'll be hungry. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. Well, I want to thank you. This has been intense and fun and i really enjoyed myself good me too thank you for having me my pleasure thanks for tuning in you were just listening to sex spoken here with dr Lori beth bisbee if you enjoyed the show please leave a review here on itunes or on stitcher And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.